I've been thinking about, you know, it doesn't seem like social media is going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like it seems like it's pretty well rooted itself into our culture at this okay. point. So it makes me wonder if at some point somebody's actually going to make it better because like, it seems to me to have just gone downhill and there have been attempts like Google, what was the Google plus or something? Yeah. Yeah. That makes me wonder if, um, at some point somebody is actually going to come along and be like, here is a social networking platform that is actually solving many of the annoyances. Cause like, I don't know anybody who likes Facebook, but we all use it. We all go on there because we don't really have a choice. Everybody's on there. I know a lot of people who don't use it, especially younger folk. Mm, well, um, and, and Instagram is much better than Facebook, I guess. But. I suppose. It just really depends on what it is people are disliking specifically. There's a whole, there are so many different ways to engage in Facebook land that, uh, to just say they don't like Facebook doesn't particularly make sense because they should be more descriptive. I don't appreciate groups on Facebook. I don't like shitty grumpy people saying shitty grumpy things on Facebook. I don't like like those those are behaviors that exist in all sorts of social media unless you curate and have like it's not different than the way that we construct and create our own reality, right? right. You could use Facebook as an experiment to then work on your own internal projections and who you're being in the world that, that encourages a, a certain sort of engagement, theoretically. Fuck you, Adrian. <laughs> okay, cool. I really did want to bring, bring the conversation back to who the fuck we are, right? Okay. Not just like I'm Adrian. We want to start now, though. And like, you're Nicholas Rave. Yeah, yeah hold on. We want to actually start. I was out of focus, but now I'm back. I'm keeping that part. Three, two, one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Enlightened Couch Potato Show. My name is Nicholas Rapes, and this is... Adrienne Gunn. And what are we here to do, Adrienne? Well, we are two humans who were obsessed with, delighted by, and improved uh, from, because I'd already used by, the our obsession and delight in personal development and growth. And we're here to talk about the ways in which you can utilize movies and television as a tool for transformation. So it's like personal development junkie movie buff overlap, right? Like when, yeah. like I'm super into movies and I'm super into making myself better in every possible way. Yeah. How can we merge those things? Yeah. That's it's good. like, that's, it's that's like good. personal de- development and the movie buffing in the buff making uh, commentary babies. That That's what enlightened couch <laughs> potato is. It's the baby of that uh, union. Yes. Ah, you're welcome. Yeah. So I really, today, the things that I wanted to talk about, the shows that I've been watching this week and the life I've been leading lately have me back into just appreciating how different life can be when you show up to it differently, when you allow yourself to filter for new information. Holy balls. Uh, Do tell. Well, several things happened in my last couple of weeks. One of them is that people without provocation or marketing say have been hiring me to do the thing. Like one of the things I say I can do, which is help people shift their life. So I've had a lot of quit smoking clients. I've had people shifting habits without putting a lot of effort out there. Things have been just manifesting zero, zero marketing or effort. People reaching out to me for the last many weeks. And I keep saying yes and putting them in my calendar. And that's awesome. But I'd also said yes to a bunch of other stuff and put them in my calendar. And I'm learning new things about how I like to engage and how I like to entrepreneur. And I was feeling kind of pooped and wondering, like, who the fuck makes this schedule? Because <laughs> um, mama needs some downtime and to actually fucking relax. Yes a lot. <laughs> well, or, or there's a way in which I need a lot of rest time. So what's been funny is I've been showing up and doing great work with clients and showing up and, and being fully engaged and fully present where I'm asked to, and then just checking the fuck out mm. by watching TV. So uh, a couple weeks ago, my checking the fuck out was like, no, it's me time, was just caught up on all of Winona Earp, 
all through like they're in season four. Yeah, you talked about that one break. last week. Yeah. So I just binged the shit out of that. This week it's been Aquarius, which is David Duchovny plays a cop back in '67. Like it's it's the LAPD uh, juxtaposed with Manson, Charlie Manson, and the Plant Panthers. And that whole world, it's just sort of following the, the life of the cop between when he meets Manson. Is this mm. based on true story? It's sort of based on true story and they fictionalized some stuff. So, yeah, I think I heard about this because we don't have to go on a long tangent. There's some fascinating stuff about the CIA and and Manson and how Manson may have been uh, a quote unquote victim of MK Ultra. that he actually was like there's some really fascinating can't remember what the book is called but um i think that guy his story was co-opted for this movie but then whoever is the filmmaker he he had two stories that he wanted to merge together and then it ended up being too much so he focused on the stuff in aquarius and he didn't go into the the government conspiracy um charles manson stuff yeah, yeah. Well, it's pretty fascinating. And so I watch, I'm watching that show and to contextualize. So I am getting to experience great results and awesomeness utilizing tools of hypnosis and mind, mind hacking ninjury, right? And then I watch Aquarius where we've got detectives who utilize language and role-playing and other such to they utilize reading body language they utilize looking at a scene to assess something and they utilize their own linguistic powers to have people confess and you know figure out what the fuck's going on kind of cool and then one of my like i well so and also what's interesting about aquarius is it's set in this peak time of social uprising so vietnam is happening uh right age of mlk is shot right robert kennedy is shot uh black panthers are coming up and so the topic is very very similar to what's going on now Mm. in the world plus right now i'm in oregon and i am in the uh i'm just next to the green zone of the be ready zone to evacuate because there's fuck tons of fire so around me the world looks pretty post-apocalyptic or during apocalyptic apocalyptic casticle is the orange skies and ash falling and I cannot breathe and the smoke's coming into my house. So like that sense of danger and utility is happening. Um, One of the days since it was so smoky and windy and I was going to do work with a client in a park, we just rescheduled. And so I got this hooky day like all of the things on my calendar was like it's gone it's too gross outside to go out because there's like literally falling trees the only thing i did was consider moving my car from my driveway under a tree to like my lawn unfortunately the car in front of my house moved and i so i moved my car well so what's the with the falling trees that's not it about was like, fire so first what was happening was there was um a warm as fuck storm it's like 90s 93 degrees for a bunch of days and gusts of wind up to 60 miles an hour. Well, so all over fires, the state, it? they're like, we're going to have to strategically be shutting down power to not start fires. It's fire season. Uh, we're going to have windstorms. Power's going to go out. So we're like, I'm like, well, I was sort of running out of groceries and had to decide, well, so if I buy groceries, but my power goes out, then that's just food that's going to rot. That's dumb. And if I go outside, I have to breathe that and avoid trees and debris and then other crazed people freaking out. So, so I was just like, my schedule's free and I've been feeling exhausted. Also, there's not a lot of oxygen around. So I'm just gonna, apparently what I did was watch this show Gypsy on Netflix. And Gypsy was one of the first Netflix originals put out. It only had one season. And its premise is there's this psychologist so that's a therapist i think she's a cognitive behavioral psychologist who gets overly interested and involved in her client's life this is a woman who's like got not great boundaries um and 
it's a fascinating thing to watch a character who's is she bad at therapy? Is she being manipulative on purpose because she wants to stir up a storm? Probably. Uh, It's like the whole show is like watching a train wreck uh, of this woman who lives in the suburbs. She's like, I got a kid, but she's got her own issues, which you sort of figure out. It's a slow burn of a show. And in the top of my mind in this week where I'm seeing a lot of clients and understanding the tra- transition for me from being the kind of person who could read people, like, I don't know if I've said this before, but I used to be an asshole. You've mentioned it. Yeah. Like 15 years ago, I could read people so quickly. It's like you grow up in a traumatic fa- family. You're the kind of kid who gets like teased and bullied. You just have to figure out how to like see where it's coming from and be humorous and like whatever whatever defense mechanisms make sense. And so at some point I recognized that I could read people and then I could poke them and hurt them. Uh, so it's a really interesting thing now as a supremely recovered asshole to watch people specifically utilizing language and what they see about people to manipulate them. So yeah. watching this therapist f- fucking over people and not entirely knowing her motivations for it, but getting to see her life. It's like a big train wreck watching Ch- Charlie Manson as played by this character and what he's doing to woo these women into his worldview yeah. and what this cop is doing to say, Oh my God. It's pretty, it's pretty fucking fascinating. The amount of power we have with language yeah. and our own charisma. Yeah. Yeah, that's been my uh, adventure. So I'm not super big on the true crime genre. Mm-hmm. Like I've never watched, I guess true crime's the wrong word, but I've never been like a CSI procedural cop show kind of person. That's not yeah. my thing. There was a movie, there was a TV show on Netflix called Mind Hunters. Mm-hmm. Really, really interesting because that one's based on a true story. So I kind of like, I guess there's this resistance I have to uh, fake characters with fake motivations because when you're talking about stuff that serious, like I feel like you learn about why people do things from the psychology behind those stories. And the thing that made it interesting in Mindhunters was this is based on actual interviews with serial killers like mm-hmm. word for word. Yeah. And there's something like deeply educational about that. So did I tell you about my recent YouTube uh, um, true crime bunny hole that trail that I went down? I don't know if you did. Try so me. I found this channel. Oh, I want to give a shout out, but I can't remember what it's called right now. Um, I'll, I'll put a link down below at some mm-hmm. point. So there's uh, this channel where this ne- uh, interrogation expert breaks down video, actual video of interrogations done by detectives with almost all of them are murderers. Um, Somebody who killed somebody and they show how they get, how they trap them linguistically. And, and what's really interesting is he even shows some ones that go badly. And he like, he criticizes, he, he critiques the the officers in this case. And he's like, here's an example of one where they fucked it up and they had to throw this out. Like Ooh. he wasn't, a, he wasn't a murderer. Right. Um, but, and then there's other ones where they're like, you have to be careful not to do this, or you can actually get false confessions. You can get people to confess to shit. But the, the reality is, I guess it, it sort of hit me that I was like, you know, most cops don't want the wrong person to confess. So when you mm-hmm. use when that happens, it's because they were doing the process wrong. Like right. that doesn't happen if you're doing it correctly. But the techniques when you are guilty, they are relentless. And so the thing that's so like weirdly delicious to me <laughs> in some kind of fucked up way yeah the moment when you see someone's life fall apart like oh. you're watching these people in an interrogation room go oh my god i'm gonna go to jail forever yeah oh like i fucked up 
and they got it and there is no getting out of this. And like the way that cognitive dissonance starts playing with them in that moment. I mean, there's one example of a serial killer that they did this with. You have footage of the interrogation where he then at some point just goes, well, okay, here's how I did it. And he tells every detail like and you're you're like he's totally clear there's other ones where it was an accident where it's like a teenage or young 20s kid yeah who like was like oh my god what have i done and he tries to get out of it and he tries to weasel away and then they leave him in the room and the camera's still on him and you see him just like i don't know what it is about these videos but th- there's something about like you know you used to be an asshole i used to be a compulsive liar Right. So it goes along with narcissism, which I also own. Um, I'm a recovering narcissist as well. So there's there's this feeling of getting caught. Like you're about to get caught in a lie. Like yeah. you told somebody you did something and you didn't and you're about to get. And like that feeling inside me, it was so uncomfortable watching these videos because I was like, like I'm going to get in trouble, but I'm like, yeah. yeah, but I didn't do anything. And I'm, I'm a very honest person now. Right. So, um, yeah, I've been loving these. I've watched every single one on the channel. Um, and it's, it's just, there's something so purely real about it. Like getting yeah. to watch, this is actually happening and you're seeing this is how a person really responds and reacts and looks when they are an animal backed into a corner and it's over like it's over totally yeah i I think what's also happened for me that's amazing because like you're talking about this moment where they know that their world is completely over and there's a physiological shift and you can almost hear it happen yeah It's like something explodes inside or something. We get to see that when people make a a shift for the better. It's a similar, like, ah, that transformation is similarly addictive of, like, turning the knobs and the dials. Their brain is, like, searching, and then suddenly it's, like, pop! And the world is opened up. It's very similar. What's been really healing for me watching these particular shows is that... There are so many humans in these shows at different levels of self-destructive. I've I've sort of joked at and pointed at like last time we were talking about the tropes of the like drinking a lot, fucking strangers, people like like recognizing I watched Gypsy when it came out. Ah, what was that six, seven years? It was a while ago. And just now embodying the the distance between my ability to relate to these characters and not just in a, like sometimes I I'm here on, on our show and I'm like annoyed at those people but like just going wow I think I remember being like that that there yeah. were cells in my body that craved the whatever the fuck craziness that person is doing right now yeah. and it's not even close to me at my reality i almost forgot that that was something i could relate to and that's been pretty fascinating and wonderful too is it is a healing setup is like i don't feel that version of lost and feisty and whatever the heck drew these characters to their decisions i mean if i was paid to do that part i could get there i could find it i could remember uh, and make it happen, and then return to a life that's pretty great and yeah. uh, deeply felt, and lacking a whole lot of really not. I, there were wise strategies for who I was then, right? right? And I don't know. I'm having one of those like I'm checking out of life, and I'm just gonna plop on my couch moments of just going the magic of language. It's real. It's fucking cool. Even the darkness that these people can get these other people to do, that's magic and real and cool. And they're evil on television. Cool. But I'm using similar techniques to make people their lives better. I mean, I see the same thing by listening to Donald Trump. Yeah. Like, I'm like, well, you can't argue that he, he seems to be good at getting at least some people on his side. 
And uh, that is a product of his language to a certain extent. So there's a lot to be learned from the from what he does, both how to combat it uh-huh. if you're ever in a situation with someone like that. So get used to it. Get comfortable with that. Oh, I see what that person's doing. That's one of those strategies. But also because you can all of those tools of communication and influence are neutral. They're not bad. Right. They are. It, it depends on your intention for using it. He has his own intentions. But that doesn't mean you can't use most of the tools and techniques that he uses for good, for your own intentions. Totally. Yeah. I imagine at this point it's going to be challenging. Well, I guess it's useful and easy to find examples of Donald Trump utilizing language in particular ways. And you can talk about it. But getting people to understand the other part, which is to have like um, as neutral and clean and clear an emotional palette yeah. <laughs> to then be able to make decisions may yeah. be harder for some people because he yeah, I mean, definitely Yeah, I mean, the thing I always say about Trump is if he pisses you off, he's renting space in your head. Yeah. He desperately wants you to hate him. I think he might like people hating him more than he likes people loving him mm-hmm. because the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is apathy. Yep. Love and hate are two sides of the same coin. The bottom line is you still give a shit. Paying a lot of attention to them. Yep. They are in and that's what, he, that's what, if you really want to get under Donald Trump's skin, don't give a fuck. That's how. Yeah. Because he wants to enrage everyone because then you're still paying attention. Yeah. But... How many of us are that ninja on the bus? Uh, It's challenging, but it's not impossible. (laughs) Okay, wait. Uh, Rita has joined us. I'm reading a comment, apparently just quietly to myself, which is not that entertaining on the tubes. Hi, Rita. There is a guy on AGT, which is uh, abbreviate for something that I don't know yet, that spent 34 years in jail for something he didn't do. And his ability to forgive is amazing. I wish I could Mm. be like him. Mm. Or I wish I could like him forgive. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I, I don't think this is the same person, but there was a podcast that I listened to. I've told this story before, so I'll do a short version. There's a podcast I listened to a number of years ago about a, well, there was, the story was a young man who was 15 was wrongfully convicted of murdering his mother. Mm. He was sent to prison, um, tried as an adult, I believe. And uh, when you go to prison, they know what you did, like all the other inmates. And your ranking in the pecking order has a lot to do with what you supposedly did. So he had to be kept in solitary confinement. Because they would every time they'd put him in the general population, someone would try to kill him. Yeah. So um, he was in there for something like 25 years, I think. And then finally, a private investigator working pro bono finally collected enough evidence to prove that he didn't really do it. Mm. And um, when he was released, one could understand if he would be the kind of person who would be resentful like that sort of thing would turn most people into a monster like you would just hate everyone i mean think about your reputation think about everyone thought you killed your mom and you didn't like you loved your mom yeah like unbelievable so he basically came out like enlightened like he took up yoga and meditation. And like when you listen to this guy talk, his insights on life and the world and people, the things he's seen and his capacity to forgive and be like, I'm not keeping that. Like I'm not holding on to that because it's bad for me. Yeah. It's one, unreal. Unbelievable. The most profound experience of television watching, which was both really Uh, life-affirming but also challenging was watching this show called Rectify. I'm supremely glad I remembered the name of it. So Rectify is a show, where is it on? Theoretically, it's on Netflix, YouTube, iTunes. This gentleman, this young man, I think he's in high school or just 
19 or so, when he is accused and um, sent to prison for life for killing his girlfriend. Hmm. And so the interesting thing about this is they, he, his sister continues fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting appeals and somehow gets him out for the sake of a new case, finds DNA evidence or cracks some hole, but he's, I think, spent 20 years on death row and returns to the town. And so you've got the trauma of, of this you've got the question of like, did he do it? Did he not do it? You've got the trauma right. that of this, this young person being killed lingering in the town and then the lives of his parents and his sister. So this is a story of trauma. And then he's a young man who's been in prison for 20 years, right. which is traumatic. And yeah. so they start the story where he comes out seeming pretty enlightened and, and pretty like calm. And like, it's a very interesting story. And it's also pretty dark and really really sad and i remember watching this at a time in my life where i was embracing the idea that emotions like feeling emotions was useful mm. and so i just let myself feel sad mm. with the story yeah. it's beautifully told it's really well filmed the cinematography is great the writing and acting is amazing and it's a perspective that i don't think i've seen in any show where they recognize like what happens when a yep. trauma ripples out into a community right. and you Oof. see it affect all of these people for decades. Some of the most interesting stories are where you're just like, let's take a group of people and drop a thing in it and then just see what happens and explore the ripple effects. I, I feel like we should comment here that one of the philosophies of enlightened couch potato and uh, there, there's a, a book that I, I read um, called The Storytelling Animal. And it's about why human beings tell stories. And it's it doesn't have one answer this. He, he presents many different theories, but one of them is stories are an ability to learn through other people's experiences. That you can tell someone a story and now they don't have to do the thing that you did. They can go, oh, I don't need to do that myself. And if yeah. you don't have stories, you can't do that. But it's it's more complicated than just, oh, you like there are tigers over there. Don't go over there. Okay. I won't. That was a story. You just told me a story. Yeah. I went over there and I saw tigers and they almost ate me. Okay. Don't do that. Got it. But the reality is you learn, you grow and expand your capacity by going on the journey of all the characters mm -hmm. within a story. And, and we generally tend to identify more with like the hero or the protagonist, but you can, you can let yourself feel in a safe environment. You can try on what it's like. That's what I was doing with those, uh, the interrogation videos is like, I'm putting myself in that person's shoes and imagining what would it be like, not only to have done what they did, yeah. but to be caught and to <laughs> feel what that feels like. Yeah. And, and even imagining what it would be like to be the interrogator. Cause like watching how they have to keep this, high level perspective it what they do is so much like what we do mm -hmm. coaching wise but we're trying to like back people into a corner where they have to let go of their limitations and things yes. <laughs> um but it, this idea of like watching a tragedy and being sad and feeling it if if you don't let the story traumatize you further if you really surrender to it you come out of it more flexible, like you have more emotional capacity to handle things, even though you didn't go through what they went through. Yeah. This isn't to say like, if you just sit around and watch movies with your whole life and you never go out and do anything that you can sort of, that you can become enlightened, but I don't know, maybe you can, maybe, maybe you can learn through those experiences so thoroughly and so deeply that when you go out into the world, you know what to do. Perhaps. I mean, there's, this is, we're, we're, we're having to sell the idea of this, this concept of our show as though tiny people don't model television characters and cartoons in the fucking first place. As right. though that isn't exactly how we became right. who we are today, watching right. other people's stories that may make sense to it, like pre-verbal, we're just right. soaking in 
all of the mannerisms and twitches and choices of humans saying words we don't understand and then making up stories about them to then yeah. be like, oh, I know, walking goes like this. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, and it's almost like at some point we stop doing that as much. We stop letting them influence us as much. And I guess sort of our take on this is uh, adults should be better, not worse, at learning from stories. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just said that and was like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> good, yeah. Good, good one. <laughs> well, and the other thing that I love is the idea that, yeah, maybe you could shift and change. But I think the other, the other thing that we know is it's not just like get a new perspective, get a new learning, feel a shift inside. That's great. What actually also needs to happen is taking new action to reinforce right, the learning. Right, you got to take it out into, into your real life. It's not enough to just leave it in here because if you never go out and test it, you don't really, the, the lesson doesn't go all the way in until you actually go use it. Um, yeah, can, I, can I talk about a movie that I watched? Please, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this. It's kind of a classic. Um, speaking of who we are, right? Mm -hmm. So I introduced my girlfriend to Total Recall. <laughs> cool. Have you ever seen it? I have. It's been a while. Yeah. Okay. So the, the premise, so so little backstory. Total Recall, uh, based on a book or a short story by, um, oh, come on, Philip K. Dick, who also wrote the, the story that Blade Runner was based on. Cool. which was called Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? He had a very particular naming style. <laughs> and then the one that Total Recall was based on was called We Can Remember It For You Wholesale. Yeah. Um, so the movie was made by Paul Verhoeven, who also made Robocop, uh, which is very much deeper than most people think it is. That movie is an allegory and a satirical movie that on the surface is a violent action film. Sure. He also made Starship Troopers, which is one of my favorite satires. Like that movie, yeah. when I first watched it as a kid, I was like, what is this? But I didn't get that it was satire. Like it's, it's supposed to be saying like these guys who we are, we're painting as the heroes. They're not. Yeah. So it's interesting to watch Total Recall, which, which an argument could be made is a much more straightforward story but there's some deeper themes underneath that where i feel like paul verhoven like put in his little subversive sat uh, satirical stuff too yeah um but that movie is entirely about the idea that who you are is based on who you who you are right now is based on who you remember yourself as having been the way that i think about it is yeah. that I, I always pretend or imagine that there is a moment every time you wake up before you remember who you are, mm -hmm. when you could be anybody that what if one day you woke up and you didn't remember one of those problems that you have <laughs> that you have always struggled with mm -hmm. and you just wake up one day and are like, you forgot it. And then, then maybe you remember it a couple days later and you're like, oh, shit, I'm an alcoholic. I, I forgot. <laughs> uh, that Tom Cruise movie that we talked about, did you see Edge of Tomorrow yet? Yes, I love it. Yeah, so Edge, it. Of, Edge of Tomorrow, same kind of idea is like who you are. You can change in an instant if you just one day woke up and you had a bunch of new memories or a bunch of old memories weren't there. And in the early days of hypnosis, people actually used to try and go and do this and like change right. your history. And, mm -hmm. uh, and it, it, they, they found that there are easier ways to make those changes. But the, the big implication that I took away from all this is um, you and I know about working with timelines, right? Yes. So you can go back and the way that you go back and you work with memories is uh, you, it, it isn't about changing the memory because the person's unconscious will resist that. They'll be like, well, that's not actually what happened. And I know it deep down. So I can pretend it didn't happen, but it's not the same thing. 
So what you do is you go back and you change what the memory means to you. Yes. And by doing that, you change the way the person responds now to that having happened. Um, but I feel like there is a technique, a different technique that has not yet been fully formulated that's around. So, you know how people use the quantum physics metaphor, which I, I very much emphasize that it's a metaphor. Mm-hmm. And they talked about this idea of like, um, you know, changing your reality by changing your thinkings and the observer effect and all this kind of thing. Yeah. Well, quantum physics, like where physics has gone, if you want to take continued metaphors in physics, now a lot of people talk about this thing. Do you know what the many worlds theory of quantum physics is or many worlds interpretation? Heard. Do you see many? Like many worlds. Yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. So it, the short version is that basically there is an infinite number of universes uh, and with when you whenever you talk about the word infinity or that number shit gets weird because if there's an infinite number of universes there is an infinite number of us having this conversation (laughs) there's also an infinite number of us having a slightly different conversation there's an infinite number of uh we've had this conversation an infinite number of times sure and this sounds fucking ridiculous but it's actually mathematically like a correct interpretation of <laughs> physics. And it's like, yeah. what, what, what? Yeah. Well, so, the other I, thing is that like time well, is always happening, like much like the slaughterhouse five thing of you're just sort of repeating and dropping right. in on the same thing. Like what we're doing now, we've done thousands of times before already. Right. And right. again, in the future. Now I will say, I personally think it's very important to separate this physics concept which is which is talking about and describing the universe at a level that we don't really interact with it at that level Mm -hmm. um that it's okay to take metaphors from that and apply it to the macro level of the world and not the quantum level of the world uh but it does get it, it does get dangerous i think if you start to take those metaphors literally Sure. Because it's not like your thoughts actually go out into the world and it, that's not really a thing. So the metaphor that I keep thinking about is this idea of dimension hopping. Yes. So the idea of being able to close your eyes and go, I'm just going to switch over to the universe where this is true. And I have not yet turned this into an actual hypnotic process, but I, I want to do that. I want to, I want to figure out how you can guide someone through a process where you're just like, what if it was true? What if you went, what if you stepped through the looking glass Yeah. and you came out on the other side and all of a sudden you just, you were not in that universe anymore and you could slip back. But if you want to, you could stay in this universe. And that's what what total recall talked to me about. I've kind of done it. So when you're talking about how we talk about like, you don't, you don't change the story of the past. You change the meaning of the story of the past, right? I've done the thing where I'm having somebody in this process. I'm not going to really describe the process. In the process of going back and looking at and re-experiencing or experiencing differently past occurrences, I have had people get new learnings, obviously, from that setup, but also connect to... It's a combo of like connecting to an ideal future self, connecting to your higher self, connecting to your like spirit team and all of the other infinite numbers of you who may have existed had that thing not happened. Because every single person has a belief about who they could have become had they not been teased or so they have you can a belief go off on the fu- on the timeline that didn't happen go out into a future that that is impossible and take resources from that and bring it back that's cuz everybody great. it's almost like people are like I'm not confident eh, I wish right. I was confident I'm going to pay you to help me with my confidence and I'm like well the cool news about confidence is you have an entire list inside your brain about what confidence equals and how you're not those things so let's write right. down the list of what are all these adjectives that you think yeah. you're not great so let's just if if you did think that you were these adjectives what would you choose to do so what i do Mm -hmm. is i have them access 
the ideas of who they would have been and the choices they would be making and how their life would feel and be different if this horrible thing had not happened yeah. or if they were able to become this future self they want to be and like package up the gifts of learning and knowledge from their higher self, from their other, you know, other infinite selves and their future self that they would like to be. And yeah. I have it somehow. And often it just depends on the language that they've used to describe any of this or their beliefs. And like, sometimes you can just take that and squish it together into kind of like a seed of power that begins to now you can throw it into your timeline at this moment where you know that this change, if it is installed in your timeline here, you'll just have these abilities and emotions and experiences all throughout. And it can grow itself through your timeline forward. And then I have them like install this like infinite wisdom from their other selves or higher selves or whatever the heck. And then watch, have them as they're releasing the whatever they're releasing from their past, watch this new belief new powers, new whatever, install itself and sort of thread forward through their future. I don't know. I've, I've played That's around awesome. with some of that. Well, so the, cool. the distinction I would make is, I guess, as I'm thinking about it, what you're describing still feels like back to the future, which is awesome. You're, you're using back to the future, timeline, multiples, all that stuff yeah. in really creative and powerful ways. I feel like there's a, Rick and Morty version of this where it's more about like, there's still an implication that there's a line of time and there's a chain of causality. And there are like laws and rules about the universe that are, that are present even as you go in these different lines. Sure. And there's this dimension shifting ideas like, well, what if you just jump to a universe where that's not true? Like whatever it is you believe what if you just right now you just go blip and you do, now that thing isn't there anymore and I you're suddenly I like, a new person and everything in the universe is now yes. filtered through your new model of the world yes. and now the world that you're probably still in the same yeah. world but you see it differently or even the world like I, I if you can shift so completely that your that the world changes too like laws of fucking physics like like people like me aren't successful well what if you go to a world where people like you are successful like i i, I one of my friends when he did timeline stuff he modified it and came up with this metaphor where he would guide people through like walking into this time machine that would take them above the timeline and and it was just a narrative structure to, to make the hypnotic fantasy of going back and forward and whatever along your timeline that much easier. Yeah. And I feel like I haven't come up with the dimension jumping metaphor or like narrative yet, but I want to experiment with it. And, and oh. Total Recall inspired me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's different than sliding doors. They've, they've played a lot. Right. Um, one of the Batman. So the Arrowverse. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, That's very, a very good example shifted. of multiple universes. That's what I'm talking about. So the Arrowverse has a bunch of different shows and throughout time of like the eight seasons of Arrow, which birthed these other like Flash, Legends of Tomorrow and Batwoman, there, there, was, there were agreements upon like how many Earths there were and that right. would show up and they played around with physics and time travel and what that means. And then crazy crazy different stuff happens at the end of arrow season eight which is the final of its season that just completely shifts the paradigm that you were living in and all of the rules that had been happening up until that point right and i like and now this past year has been the first first seasons for flash batwoman and supergirl and legends of tomorrow where all of the universes are shifted that the, the worlds that they built is now a new thing. Yeah. It's very fascinating to watch, but like whether these multiple us's can exist in the same earth right. at the same time, um, whether Batwoman had this storyline of this certain point of trauma of a car accident, whether, she, the the sister is saved or not saved whether mother is saved or not saved and then how the character ends up like a lot of shows already play with the like here's this pivotal moment of change point and exploring the different multi timeline right what if this happened or like the alternate 
uh, again, alternate timelines. But the thing that I that I agree with you about the DC um, EU, the extended universe around that, is that I would say even more so than Marvel. Marvel has this this um, interconnected universe, but DC does this thing where they're like, oh no no, this is a different Batman. <laughs> Just like no 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 no. And then and they they're having these crossover experiences. So I've heard some rumors about the new Flash movie. Um, did you, did you see the episode of, of the flash of the TV show where the flash from the movie showed up? Oh, maybe not. Oh, I know I've well, seen the other flashes. There have been other flashes. Yeah, no, there have, but they, the first time when they crossed over from the movie version to the TV show. Maybe. So anyway, the new Flash movie is going to have both Ben Affleck as Batman and Michael Keaton as old Batman. Um, and th- so they're like, we're leaning into this. And like, that's, awesome. that's cool. I like that. Oh, wait, you're the version of this character. So then I'm just like, well, why don't you have multiple versions of you too? Like from different universes. And w- what if there's a version of you? Maybe you're not that version all the time. Yeah. Maybe there's just a version you can step into where you're an amazing presenter. Uh, and then you can just turn that one off and then slip back into the other universe. I don't totally. know. Totally. <laughs> I love to make fun of the DC universe shows for all their exposition. And the only time when I'm not mad at them is, and it almost, it almost always happens really well in flash and then gets messed up in legends of tomorrow where they like bring out the whiteboard and they do the squiggly lines and explain physics and the multi-universes and yeah. the different timelines. And so in flash, they're pretty good at it. Like, okay, here's one, you know, really quickly explaining physics and that sort of thing. And then right. in legends are like, ah, Something about doppelgangers and then something in her. <laughs> My favorite thing. But I love watching them quickly explain the different theories of how, like, if you change, if you do change something in your past, your memories catch up to you. Like, when you get back to some point in the future, rather yeah. than you're destroying it and it's a new timeline, does it yeah. install? Does it not? If you meet yourself in the past, does something explode? I don't know. I guess the overarching theme of this exploration that we're talking about here is based on the idea that your past, your present, and your future are all made up. They are <laughs> they are imaginary. Now, you might argue that it did actually happen. Fine, maybe. That could be true. But you might be a brain in a jar. <laughs> um, but if you're not, and it did actually happen, fine. But I promise you you don't remember it the way it actually happened you don't even experience the present moment as it's actually happening and of course your future hasn't happened yet so that's made up so the idea is like your representation of your past present future is kind of your your experience of life comes out of that Mm mm-hmm or I guess the present is the place where the past and the present meet or the past and the future meet. And like somebody I remember describing said that the, uh, the present is an interference pattern between the wave of the past and the, and the future merging like this. And that's not a physics thing. That's an imaginary thing. That's like the present moment is where these two things and this line is moving like this. Mm-hmm. But your present is largely created by your representation of your past and your future. And your future is definitely created by a con- uh, um, a connection and in- uh, interaction between your past and your present. <laughs> so you can change these things. Yeah. And, uh, and movies serve as a good metaphor for like thinking more creatively about this stuff. Yeah. Well, and the cool and interesting news is also... This idea, okay, I think my brain exploded and I got really excited in, a, in one of those like, I want to run somewhere, but I don't know which direction kind of excitement where I recognize that, okay, we never really uh, actually remember what happened. We, we can't know what happened because we didn't experience it in real time, the way it actually, like, whatever was going on. We experienced it through our own filters and whatever, and we made decisions about what happened. But like, we're always looking through the eyes and filters of who we think we are now back at when I say the past, 
people assume that I mean that when you're recalling a memory that you're going all the way back to when it happened and just like, oh, re-experiencing, but that's not how brains work. Brains only are like, eh, I'm going to be really efficient. I'm just going to go scan the Polaroid from the last time we remembered this. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to look at it with my now filters and a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy of what the fuck happened, which is so amazing because what you think happened absolutely didn't. And what you think about it now is only in relation to who you think you are now. Yeah. And I'm not going to finish that thought. The other part that finds that I find really freaking fascinating is as much as we say that we can change who we are and we can affect our unconscious and probably why I love utilizing movies to help make changes in this particular way. I like to sit down and say, here's how I would like to feel about life. Here's things that I want to experience in my life. And I ask my unconscious mind to help me have that experience. And I use the television show or the movie to do it because most of my personality and who I am and what I've modeled happened before I had any language. Right. And before you have language, you're not storing memories. That's how it works. Mm -hmm. So I don't remember why I am who I am. I didn't put it all there, but most of what I do and who I am is like happened back there. So I may as well just ask the part of me that was me then to make the changes just so that I see the results. Cause I don't know where to poke. This one got pretty trippy, but in honor of total recall, I think that is um, totally appropriate. And that being <laughs> said, I got to run. Okay. So um, TV deeply folks. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. Thanks for being here. Okay. Have fun. See you next week. Bye. <laughs>